Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? We got an interesting email this week. He says, thank you for taking my email in question. My girlfriend and I listen to you on the radio. And we always enjoy the fact that you're so candid. You are definitely somebody who tells it like it is. Aren't you afraid of hurting people's feelings? Well, no, I'm not. Um, You know, because here's what I know to be true. It is so important to be open and honest about this sex addiction and the partner betrayal that occurs as a result. And so I am a believer in telling it like it is so that people will know where they stand with you. And I do that, too. And I tell my clients, if I appear too bold, if I'm too brutally honest, I mean, I just had a client who's super sensitive. He's one of my favorites. And he came back, and I had actually talked about um, the fact that his, his addiction appeared to be a trauma reenactment from his childhood. And I said, Wow just in the way that you were abused by your uncle, you are now participating in sexually addictive behavior where you're doing the exact same thing. Well, he didn't say anything to me at that moment. But the next time he came in, he said, I don't know, Carol, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's like you don't have a filter. And he went on to share with me that that had been very hurtful It had stopped him in his tracks. He wasn't sure he believed it, um, but that I, he felt like, and he wanted me to know that I needed to approach that with more sensitivity than I have. Okay. Well, 
here's what I know about this um, gentleman. I'm very honest. He can count on me to say it like I see it. But I do know he's extra sensitive. And maybe I should have thought about how that would affect him. I have to admit, I thought I was describing a pattern I was seeing. But what he heard was, you are just like your uncle. And that's what devastated him so much. So here's what I know. You know my famous, here's what I know to be true. Um, Our intentions are usually very honest and um, they're meant to do to do good. But I hold myself 100% responsible and accountable for information that's delivered in a way that's hurtful. And that's what I heard him saying. So I appreciated his feedback uh, and really will remember to be more sensitive with him later on down the road. Now, you know that when somebody's been molested, it can create trauma reenactment, and then the sexual addiction can look a lot like that initial molestation. However, what's happening is now the person that was molested is becoming the perpetrator. Now, I don't mean that people that are molested molest others. I'm actually saying that people who have been molested in certain ways may act out in those same certain ways with other people. You know, um, and so that is one of the devastating repercussions of having experienced trauma as a child. Now, if you're like my guest tonight, the trauma that she experienced by being a partner really affected her immunological system. And she actually had to make the decision to move away from the relationship because it was, I don't want to say it was killing her, but it was definitely taking a toll on her body. So I'm real excited to be interviewing Kat Clark, who has written four books on partner trauma and sexual addiction from a partner's point of view. And what she has just been told from her publisher is that they've decided to put the four books into one book. So instead of this being a series, which it is today, they are going to combine them all. Kind of like a trilogy, I think. And she wanted to make sure that I let you all know that. Because I know that when I looked it up on Amazon today, it said it wasn't available. And I'm sure that's because they're condensing it. Now, she is a big believer in couples restoration, even though her marriage didn't make it. So she's going to be talking to us about why. And she's going to be talking to us about her health and how she's doing. So I'm real excited about that, too. Uh, You know, what we want to believe is that the people in this field that decide to give back are really wanting to make a difference. And that in and of itself is so important. And so I know 
that anybody who wants to make a difference can. We are all powerful beyond measure. And it's so important for us to own our power. I mean, that's what I talk about um, repeatedly. I talk about the fact that it is, we are all born for greatness. We really have so much to offer. And our journey into partner trauma or sex addict trauma can strengthen us and make us much, much better. We can find our purpose and our passion. Now, maybe you're already doing that, you know. Maybe you're a doctor listening to this show. Well, you're doing it. Maybe you're a grandmother with 13 grandkids and four great-grandkids. Well, you're doing it. Maybe you're the most incredible mother or father in the world. Well, you're doing it. So it doesn't have to be write a book or teach a course. But I got to tell you, um, there are lots of different ways to look for making a difference. Now, I'm just going to put in a little plug for two different courses I've, I've got. One will be done by the end of the week, and that's a partner trauma course for post-traumatic growth. Super excited because it's actualizing potential. I, I just think it's amazing. And then, of course, you know, the sex addict um, online course is about helping her heal. It, it describes the empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. So if you're having trouble with this concept or you wish you could hire me, this is the next best thing because I talk you through all the chapters, every single one of them. And I give you articles to read and inspirational um, columns of mine to Keep you going through this process. There's nothing more devastating than devastating your wife because you've lived in addiction and lived a lie and lived a deceitful life. So um, it, it really is a way to help your partner heal, and I walk you through the course. So go to my website, Coach, and read a little bit about the course, and then Take advantage of it, would you? And if you have any questions, I am more than happy, more than happy to help you with it. That's my motto. I'm a therapist, I'm a coach, and I'm ready to uh, help make your life different. And so is Kat Clark, who has done a four-book series that they are now collaborating with. So Kat, welcome to the show. Are you there? Yes. Hello. You know, hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Carol? Well, just fine. I mean, I I am watching you just put out book after book after book, and it's like a real series of your life. And so I, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about what your publisher is wanting to do with the four books, and then let's talk about it a little bit, because you really are an advocate for couples, and you really do believe that they can restore their relationship, that you're so Absolutely. honest about your own recovery. Yeah. 
So first, tell us about your four books. What what are the names? I know they're going to be putting it together, but just in case somebody can buy buy one, give us the names of each one of your books. Okay, the first book, well, the series is called The Porch Series, like Front Porch. The first book mm-hmm. is Get Off Get Off My Porch. The second book is named Sitting on the Porch Swing. The third book is called Sweeping the Porch. And the last book is My Porch Light. Right. And now your publisher wants to put all four of them together, right? Yes. Yes. I actually came up with the idea that instead of buying the four separate books, and having to go back through four separate books to put them all in one book where a person will have that book right in their hand and they can actually go back and refer to different things that they're trying to put into practice. And he was all about it. And and plus it'll be cheaper buying one versus four. Oh, absolutely. And, And so in some ways it's making it easier for the reader to just hang in there and go through the entire series in one. Um, so tell me, when do you think this series, this one book, will come out? Well, actually, I talked to my publisher Friday, and they are uh, I have approved the final text, and they are printing it. So I believe probably mid-January. They say it's going, they're going to move it pretty fast. They're pretty excited about it. Oh, May I say something uh, kind of off topic here? Absolutely. Yeah, I was listening to your introduction while I was waiting, and you were talking about the Helping Her Heal book. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked you about it. I emailed you, and I ordered that for Frank. He's actively doing the workbook, and he is learning so much about me and the struggles I went through. So I just want to tell you, I guess I'll tout your book, too. He he is really learning a lot, and it's helping him understand my struggles. So good book, Carol. I I really I read it oh. first. <laughs> so yeah, well, I just that wanted to tell you that. Well, that is what I'm finding. A lot of times the partners are buying it, they're reading it, and they're saying, "Yes, honey, go ahead and read this because this will help you to understand how how I'm doing and why I'm affected the way I am." So thank you, Kat. That that means a lot coming from you. Now, oh, you're quite back welcome, on topic, please. tell me a little bit about, you know, your belief about couples. Do you think couples can restore their relationship from all the damage that sexual addiction, you know, causes? I absolutely do, but um, I personally, we tried it without professional counselors that dealt specifically with sexual addiction. and But I believe you need to go with the professional counselors that are specifically licensed in, the, in this addiction because we went to marriage counselors. It was a waste of time and money. It really was. And because the partner has to deal with a lot of emotions such as betrayal, abandonment, rejection, anxiety, and in most cases, they don't trust the addict because they've been lied to, manipulated, and controlled. And um, getting a little personal here, my husband got to the point 
that he didn't want me sexually, so I developed a poor body image, and I still struggle with it, even though we've been, we are divorced now. We've been divorced for over a year. But it's also important, important that the partner, and this is what my books are about, that they get an education on the addiction to understand the struggles that the addict's going through. It's not an easy read, but it really helps the recovery tremendously. I don't, I don't believe anyone chooses to be an addict and that negative circumstances in their life is probably the main reason they make bad choices to relieve the emotional pain they're going through. So I absolutely believe. Oh, wow. And so what I heard you saying is that absolutely couples can can get past this, but it requires a good counselor that has specialty in sex addiction and partner betrayal. Absolutely. And, you know, it requires a lot of education for both the addict and the partner on what sex addiction is all about in some ways so that the partner who's already horribly betrayed won't take things personal if their husband won't have sex with them. You know, what did you learn about that? I know you don't want to get too personal, but did you learn anything about um, sexual anorexia? Um, mine was more abandonment, I guess. Uh, and am I, am, am I answering the question correctly? Yeah, because you're answering from your heart. Um, oh, okay. So yours was from abandonment. And what we know as certified sex addiction therapists is that sometimes the addict shuts down his sexuality totally so that he won't have to deal with it. And, of course, that re-damages or re-harms the partner who then doesn't feel attractive or like she's wanted or needed. And I'm, I'm not sure what happened. Or not you good enough. Captain. Not good enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's it. how I felt. Okay. And so here he is. You two are divorced, but he is actually working on understanding who you are and the damage that he caused and what he can do to repair that. Is that correct? That's correct, but um, we started out as really good friends. And so Mm -hmm. when, I mean, um, I'll go into it a little later, the reasons why the divorce, um, I had to have that. But we started out as really good friends, and and the divorce was very calm. He totally understood my need to – I had some serious healing to do, and I could not do it while living together. But um, I took it upon myself to dive into sexual addiction. It was not easy. And my books leave out a whole lot of stuff that you probably don't want to read about. But I, being my friend, and I do love him, I wanted to know what happened. What, what happened that he ended up in this situation and this addiction? I did it out of love. I wanted to understand. So then mm. I started writing the books. Well, that makes sense. And I know that this addiction changed who you were. 
I mean, before you married him, you were very secure, confident, and you loved your life. You were healthy, yeah. and and you really were not ashamed of your body at all. No, so I was a I was a do? personal trainer for thirty years. You know, I thought I looked pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay, so help us to understand how 20-plus years of neglect and kind of emotional abuse took a toll on your health. Well, um, and, and the, the culprit was stress, and um, I went into depression. I, I was, it was a bad situation, and I ended up with a compromised immune system. And my health is better now, but it's taking me years to recover. But I have to be careful because extreme anxiety can kick it back in. I'm not where I need to be at the end, but, boy, I'm pretty close. So, yeah, and, you know, when it, when it comes to your health, I mean, I gave up. I expected to die. I wasn't getting good news from the doctors. That had to be so earth-shattering because here you are dealing with partner betrayal and then things are not working out in the marriage and then your body keeps score and and takes on the trauma of betrayal and your immune system shut down. So how do you get healthy again? Actually, uh, my son in Colorado is into natural um, treatments and stuff, and he, he he bugged me till I flew out there and went to a kinesiologist, which started me on liquid herbs. I drank those for a couple of years, and then I I really dove into natural healings and natural products. As a matter of fact, I've written a book that's coming out pretty soon, all, all about the natural stuff and how I healed. It's called Tips for a Healthier You. I thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> But right. I and you know I did a lot of uh, I mean I taught yoga for many years and uh, you know I meditated and you know of course praying I'm a, I'm a Christian you know I prayed and you know I just really made a promise to my body that I was going to get it back and I wasn't going to let nothing stop me because my health now my health is that's the reason the divorce happened was because I couldn't take it anymore health-wise. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, at what point did you decide, okay, I can't stay in this marriage, and then how did you navigate out of it? Well, um, I mean, I I would have stayed in the marriage, definitely, I would encourage anybody to stay in, you know, if there's still the love there. But I do love him, but my health is still guarded, and I can't take the chance of a relapse. I was hospitalized twice and was going into anaphylactic shock, which, you know, could kill you. But, um, and I I haven't forgiven him yet for putting my health in danger, but, you know, with the addict, their mind is, a little different when the addict is in control. I separate the man from the addict. I had to learn how to do that. I knew when I was dealing with the addict, I learned. 
and there's a lot of tricks in all these books to tell you what to watch for. But um, he didn't care. The addict in him didn't care. But he didn't understand the addiction and go to counseling until it was too late for me health-wise. And uh, I'm 69 years old, and I want to enjoy the rest of my life. And, you know, I, Carol, I feel like I, I was just tired of fighting a war I didn't ask for and may never win because my health had to come first. Had it not been for that, we'd probably still been in here, and we'd have made it. I got no doubt we might have made it. Yeah, but you had to put yourself first, which meant putting your health first. You, yeah, you and, you know. Time. Yeah, and, you know, I can't stress enough to the partners that are listening to this, don't let it go as far as I did. You know, really really watch your self-care and your health, or your health, rather. So what kind of relationship do you have with your ex-husband now? Well, I like this part. (laughs) Yeah, we we are maintaining our friendship. Uh, we're buddies. We, you know, if a real friend is someone you can trust, but see, with the addictive behaviors like lying and manipulation, it makes it hard to trust them again. So he's getting better about the lying. I started catching him lying, but I called him out on it. So we kind of we kind of you know give kudos when we see growth or or something, but we also are able to calmly sit down and discuss like adults what is going on, what caused this problem. There's no more yelling anymore, and I mean he is there for me, and I'm there for him. We're not the usual, <laughs> we're not the norm, but we we were we were able to remain friends, and it's great. Well, that's good. And so do you think, you know, that he just did too little too late? I mean, it's almost like he didn't understand about his own addiction when I read these books. And it's like he definitely didn't understand the trauma that he caused you. I Yeah, I don't – I can't speak for him, but I can only say what I feel it was watching him in action, so to speak. I don't think – he thought he had an addiction. I thought he's like, well, I can stop this any time, you know. And come to find out, you know, I finally gave him a choice. I said, now, I'm going to divorce you, or you're going to go to a specialist in sexual addiction. And I'm not talking, you know, go once a week for a month. He was sequestered in the mountains in Colorado, you know, no cell phones, no TV, nothing. And, and you know, that was a, a, an amazing thing for him. And once he learned he was an actual addict, and I got the word he was an addict, I fell apart. But neither one of us thought about it being a real, you know, the, I kind of looked like, well, they're kind of sort of addicted, or maybe they are addicted sometimes. No, when you're addicted, you're an addict. That, that's it, and that was that was hard news for both of us. And then I knew when I heard it might take a year or so. I thought I, my health can't handle this. So, 
Yeah, and and so tell our listening audience, when you say he was sequestered um, in the mountains of Colorado, uh, what was that like for him? Obviously, he went into treatment. He did. He did. Um, I'm a humorous little girl here, and I'd like to say when he came home, he looked like he'd had life kicked out of him. But he learned so much, and he had tools to work with. You know, he had actual tools to work with. And, you know, you can get in each other's way because my, my recovery is much different than his, as you know. And uh, it, I think it's, he will tell you, it is the best decision I ever made for him. <laughs> and how long was he gone? He was gone for in two treatment. weeks. Two okay. weeks. Um, and and so uh, I'm I, I'm thinking that might be my friend's program. I don't remember reading about that in the book, but if it is, my friend who runs that program is very partner sensitive. He teaches men about partners. How yes. long ago was it that your husband got treatment? Um, two thousand. What, what is this? Two thousand seventeen. I think September the ninth. I'm guessing. I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. can I say a name? Yeah. Can I ask you if it's the one we went to? Yeah. Michael Barda. Oh, I'm my buddy. It was who? Michael Barda. Yes, Michael Barda from Begin Again in Colorado. He knows you again. He's got a great very highly. He knows you. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah, and he is, he's an AFSATS, which is that partner-sensitive trauma treatment program. I mean, he has um, gone through our training, but he even he was educating these guys even before he went through the treatment. I mean, the training. He 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 knew that the wife was traumatized and that the men had to understand what you were going through. So, I'm glad he's your buddy, and I. We think a lot of him, that's for sure. Now, well, and yeah, may, may I jump in here? Well, now, yes, uh, well, ours is a little bit different because they do have a program for the partners. But my health, I couldn't go to that. I had to have private counseling because, li- like, little things. I have PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. from it all. And uh, if I heard stories that other women I was really messed up that other people told being a partner I would get triggered and then I would get anxious and then you might have to rush me to a hospital so I had to have private counseling and I'm going to tell you he sat there and he he was the kindest man I'd ever met and it's amazed me that not only you know, usually it is like um, a counselor I've learned this a counselor will work with the addict and then other counselors work with a partner. He works with both. And so he understands, and they tell the men when, uh, you know, Frank said that when he was there, he said there wasn't a dry eye in the place when they, when they explained the damage they'd done to the partners. Mm-hmm. So I, I love mm-hmm. it that, you know, they have a staff that they, they cover all of it. Well, that's good to know. And, you know, again, you're you're so um, open-minded considering that you had to for the preservation of your own body and mind 
get a divorce, the fact that you two are really good friends now and, and try to support each other with the best you can, so what advice would you give to the partners of addicts to stay strong during their recovery? Well, um, I'd like I'd like to give them a little warning, actually. Um, okay. Don't make the same mistake I did. Start your recovery now, no matter where you're at in this thing, because your emotional and physical health is more important than anything you might be going through. Because after he moved out, I believe the most important thing I did for my recovery was learn to be grateful for what I have instead of what I'd lost because the divorce was heartbreaking for me. And it was for him. But I actually sat down and made a list of everything I was grateful for and that small task gave me the motivation and determination to take my life back and be happy and fight for my health. Because during the marriage, I imagine they can all, all your listeners can relate to this. I had no motivation at all, and I was pretty much robotic most of the time. Um, wasn't much of a social life. He rarely took me out. So after I retired, I decided to take a jewelry design class, and I am a licensed jewelry designer now, and which was a godsend because I brought out the creativity in me. I knew I was creative, but I had no idea. It was a God-given talent. So I opened my own business and did well, and it gave me a sense of accomplishment. But that temporarily help take my mind off the problems in the marriage. So sometimes, and it's hard to get started if you're depressed, sometimes you're like, by golly, I'm going to do something to make me feel good about me because he didn't make me feel good about me. But I think one of the biggest mistakes a partner can make is to neglect your self-care. That is so important during the recovery period because I fell into victim mentality, which I imagine most of the listeners feel that way. It's a bad place to be. I did it for probably 19 years. Um, I was a good wife, didn't deserve to be treated that way, but that wasn't enough, so I fell down deeper into self-pity, and that's a very dangerous place to be. But Well, so, yeah, and you know, it's so interesting because I'm doing this post-traumatic growth course and they say true post-traumatic growth means you have found new forms of creativity and it lights up your brain and gives you dopamine just in the same way as being with your puppy or loving on your husband before the betrayal, you know, and that you having done this jewelry certification, I mean, that had to make you feel good about you. It did. It did. And, it, I mean, and he was very supportive. He, he'd help me string beads or whatever, and, you know, he, he helped me with it, and which gave us something to do. But, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm creative anyway, so, so I, mean, I mean, that pushed me to, to do more. You know, it's just I kept have I kept telling myself, 
God don't make no junk. I'm worth this, and I am going to make it, and I did. Oh, absolutely. That's the attitude to have and to know that intentional self-care is the vehicle that got you back on the road to health. I mean, that is so important. Um, mm-hmm. Now, i got to ask you, how would you describe your relationship with your husband now? I mean, you said that, you know, your friends and that he's not perfect and you catch him in little lies from time to time, but you're no longer defined by who he is or by how he acts, right? No, I'm not. However, um, I still, when he's around, I'm very self-conscious about my body. Uh, I'm a work in progress there. That's my biggest obstacle. I would say that's probably my only obstacle right now is is feeling good about my body. And, um, you know, that when I believe in sexual addiction, you know, there is uh, an, an attraction to each other. And it's, you know, he told me one time, don't ask me for sex because, you know, it makes me feel like I have to perform. And then the worst thing he ever said to me, he said, as long as I see, look you in the face, I'm fine. Which to me equals, so long as I don't have to look at your body, I can do this. And that hurt. Uh, that, I'll never forget that ever, ever. But, you know, sometimes addicts say things that they have no idea of the devastation and the trauma that comes out of that. And it sounds like he just didn't have a lot of insight about how emotionally hurtful that was. Um, yeah, how did like, you end up moving out? I mean, what did you say and when did that happen? And and was that traumatic for you both? Not really. Um, I think I think he knew it was coming. But what I what I did, I mean, there's a, um, I think it's book one or two. It's called Separation Preparation. It's the name of the chapter in there. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I'm in his way as much as he is in my way. And um, I very gently explained it to him. We're in each other's way because if you're here, I'm uncomfortable, and you're going to wait for that other shoe to drop. So, I mean, I did it in love because I had to do it, and I knew that he needed some space for me because, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, a little more, um, my situation's kind of pretty bad because of the PTSD and the, and the illness and stuff. And he understood, he understood that, you know, I, I needed my space because I had to find me again. I, I, I lost me. That was the worst thing is, I I didn't even know who I was anymore. So, you know, we we talked about it. The finances allowed it. And he found a house and we talked about he we we were separated for 6 months before he filed for the, for the divorce. But, you know, wow. I told him and we had talked about rental property before so we bought a house and I said, you know, and and if we make it, it'll be a nice income we can rent it out. I even went and helped him pick out furniture, helped him decorate. So, I mean, he's, 
he was hurting too. I, I couldn't be mean to him. He was hurting too. But I learned that only through learning about the addiction. And when I went to counseling, I realized I wasn't the problem. His addiction was. Mm-hmm. And so me being educated on the addiction, you know, that helps so much because, you know, you, I didn't badger him about his sobriety because you won't gonna, you're not going to believe him anyway, right? Yeah, and we just quit throwing darts at each other. It's like we were actually on a mission to heal ourselves, but stay together and be supportive. If I can't be married, I want to be his best friend, you know. Well, and I'm going to tell you something, because obviously he has made some devastating statements to a very strong woman who was a fitness trainer, for goodness sakes. Um, I wasn't strong for a lot of years, though. I'm sorry, what? Three things that you... Tell me three things that you like about your body. Okay. I have green eyes. Long. I can't tell you much about my body body, but I have green eyes. I look at least a decade younger than what I am, and I have real healthy hair, and I have a great sense, well, a great sense of humor won't count, but um, that's about it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm, that's good. I like that. Well, uh, I'm, it's just I'm not, me. yeah, I'm not so fat, but I had to take 10 rounds of prednisone, which gave me a belly, and I'm very self-conscious about that. I get that. You know, we have some callers on the line. I'd like to try to take a couple of calls and see if sometimes we get pranksters. I'd like to see if these are real calls. Can you hang? Sure. Okay, here we go. Well, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. What can we do for you? Are you there? Okay, I thought I could hear breathing, but I'm going to try it again. Welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. What can I do for you? may actually have a connection problem. We'll try it one last time. And we're going to say, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Do you have a question for Kat? Uh, No, I don't. I just dialed in to listen to that. I didn't exactly hear that, but thanks for calling. Okay, Kat. So now I just want to begin to wrap up, and I want you to talk about the fact that you have found purpose and passion in your life. There is no doubt about it. You are now working with supplements, and you're writing a book on nutrition. And I want to ask you, what made you decide at 69 to continue to give back? I know what it's like to be lost. I've always been a very strong person. And even though my story's a little sad one and all that stuff, I'm a Christian. I I know that writing these books 
I didn't do them by myself. I just felt that God was there, and you know what? I mean, he's blessed me with health. He's given me my health back. I've, I've been led in so many directions of what to do, trial and error a lot of it, but I hurt for these people. I'm not, I don't mind telling you, I hurt for these people. I hurt to the point where I pulled my own hair out. These these partners hurt. And I don't want to see these people hurt as long as I hurt. I hurt for 20 years. I want people to not go as far as I did and sit back and say, I give up. I can't do this. If I can do it at my age and claim my health back, I want to save people a lot of time because they are worth it. They did not ask to be put in this position. You know, the addicts didn't wake up and say, I want to be an addict. It's a fight. But you can do it. And and like I said, I mean, quit throwing darts and just really look at the situation. Because at one time you looked at this person and you said, I love them. You loved a lot of things about them. Everything started out right, and then suddenly, hammer hit. It's in there, and they they are struggling very hard too. I I, I don't know if how people will react, but I'm going to defend the addict once in a while. They're struggling too, and if you can if you can get that love and understand each other. But unless you understand the addiction and and uh, betrayal trauma, you're you're really cheating yourself. You could go on and just live happily ever after. And I wish that for everybody, even if I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's who you are, and that shows your ability to empathize and to understand what people need. Um, and so I appreciate your gift to addicts by being so understanding and knowing that they, um, they're doing the best they can, but they yeah. really do need education. They need to work with a specialist. They need to work with somebody who understands partner trauma. And then I just have a couple questions because you said that you really believe that boundaries were an important part of helping him understand the struggle. So tell me a little bit about few of the boundaries that you set and how you effectively explain those to him. Are you there? Oh, my goodness. Maybe we lost her, too. <laughs> you know, I was doing the Internet, and I... I am just not quite sure where we are here. Let's see here. Um, I've got several calls on the line. Let's see. A guy got it. Okay, I'm going to. I'm asking Kat Clark to come on back the line. Kat, you are back on. Did yes. you hear my question or did we totally lose you? No, I got a busy signal, so I just dialed back in. I didn't hear it. Okay, what I asked you was what were some of those really important boundaries that um, made a difference in you setting up support for you and having the bottom line for Frank? 
Oh, well, um, book three is all about boundaries. That is my favorite book because when I studied boundaries, effective boundaries, there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. That's when I started standing up and, and just really going forward. But the the first, you got to know how to set them. And I, you know, I did a, I researched boundaries for a month, I think. But uh, the first one that I set was about lying. And I was firm, but not rude. There's no need for that. And I told him that I detested lying when anybody lies to me. And, and if they do, I assume they can't be trusted. I didn't say to him, when you lie to me, because I just use people in general, because that would put him on the defense. And I also knew that his recovery required him to learn to be honest, which is very difficult for an addict because they cover up a lie with a lie. And I had to keep in mind, he's a work in progress just like I am. And, and you know, I had to be careful how I approached him. I don't want him to be defensive because I'm trying to help him too, but... I also put boundaries around arguments. Um, I told him, and again, kindly, there's no, you know, it's not like you start arguments. I don't, I'm not going to argue. I said, I told him, I will engage in a discussion. And because arguing was one of the biggest mistakes we'd made. And we're not going to heal because when one part starts yelling, the other one's not listening. They're thinking of their comeback. And they're, addicts are not usually good listeners, as you know, when they're confronted because they're thinking about what they're going to say. And they'll, they'll actually tune you out. And that would frustrate me to the point I'd get so angry. So my mouth started going. So it's nonproductive. But also, when you, in, in my experience I speak from, when you call them or confront them out on bad behavior, they fall into shame. And when they fall into shame, they can't actively listen. And I told him the conversation will end if he attempted to control or manipulate me. And, yeah, we had, I had to end a few discussions. But, see, a lot of that is about gaslighting, which I won't get into. And But <clears throat> anyway, so... Um, and, and you, are you talking about the different ways now that I, the different boundaries I set and how I did them? Or? Absolutely. Yeah, what made okay. you set them and, you know, what were the bounds? Yeah. All right, all right. Um, we hadn't been sexually active for a long time, and, and now it's been, I guess, several years. I have no idea. But I didn't want to be used anymore to fulfill his fantasy, so I didn't want him touching me, of course. It gets to that point so I had to set it on sexual groping because after the divorce I believed he tried to seduce me because he started touching me in places that he shouldn't have and I did ask him and he said yes he he was trying that but I didn't smack his hands away and say you fool don't ever touch me there again I was very kind when I set the boundaries I said you do not touch me there again, and don't kiss me on the mouth. And you know what? Bless his heart, he's never done it again. Um, I said, I said, had to so set a boundary around. You. He oh, heard yeah. you loud and clear, didn't he? 
Yeah, I'm told these green eyes pierce sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess uh-huh. I gave him the look. Yeah. Um, I set had to set boundaries around respect because and and see now. People don't like to hear this. Partners don't like to hear this. I took the blame for allowing him to disrespect me. Because, you know, when you're so emotional, you're you're just a wreck and you can't think and, you know, you feel like you're being beat down and then the betrayal and everything, it's easier to give in to them and just stop the, the drama. I was always a giver. He was more than happy to be the receiver. But I learned through my research that Respect goes back to manipulation and control. So when you give them that power, they're very happy to take it, and they start to believe they can treat you any way they want to. So I basically told him, and there was no voices raised. I promise you, if he was here right now, he'd tell you the same. I told him, I said, I will be calling you out when you try to control me because I gave my power away. And this is what I, I didn't say I have to do. I said, and this is what I'm going to do to get it back. And I did call him out on it every time. But I was nice about it and let him know I wasn't going to back down. And that has absolutely worked for us. You know, you can be firm without, you know, calling them names and all that stuff. You look and get the eye contact. I'm going to do it. Because cat's coming back and stand back, <laughs> but then well, after yeah, the step, you step- know what you did, you practiced what? assertiveness, and that was so important. I mean, oh, assertiveness I did, <laughs> means that you're clear and direct about what you feel, what you think, and what you want. It doesn't mean he gets your way, but at least he can't ever say he didn't know what was going on. Absolutely, and you know what, Carol. I, that, taken, I can't talk enough about boundaries. You'd have me on here all night. When I started standing up for myself and setting boundaries, I was taking my power back and didn't even know it. And it made me, it just really repelled me forward. It's like, my gosh, I have a right to do this. And you do have to be direct. You really do. And um, so it's it's definitely worked for us, but oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I get the partners don't necessarily want you to own the fact that you felt like you contributed in some ways to um, the problem because you didn't know what you didn't know, and you know sometimes we enable and we don't mean to, and sometimes we're codependent and we don't mean that, and sometimes um, partners can have so much grace and compassion that they don't take a hard line. And it's all trial and error, and you have learned so much. I encourage so much for my listeners to to look for that that book series to come out, all in four books. It is the My Porch series, and it sounds like it will be in January. Let me know, and I'll I'll let everybody know um, once it is officially out. Any now the of, they uh, are advice. they are still for sale individual. They're, you can find them about anywhere. Walmart's even carrying them now, so so you can still oh, buy them individually. 
for the next year. Okay, well, I got on Amazon. And then Amazon I'm going to cancel today, that and, and just I, do I the. I couldn't. I could not on Amazon today. So I'm just saying. <laughs> you what now? You couldn't get it on Amazon. It said um, not in print. Oh, the individual books? Yeah, I think it was actually my porch light. Um, I just wanted to see, it, you know, how they were displayed. I didn't know if they were one package, yeah. And so I just did some research this morning. But, Kat oh. Clark, I thank you so much. Um, you've got 30 seconds. Anything else that you'd like to tell our listening audience? Because it is addicts and partners. Oh, oh. Hello, everybody. <laughs> um do the work. Your your marriage is worth it. Your relationship is worth it. Do the work. And you know what? Have Give each other grace. I mean, these things, I think that sexual addiction is an epidemic. I really do. And, you know, think about where you used to be and where you want to go back to and speak softly and speak in love. And I know it hurts I I sometimes when I pray for the partners and addicts at night I cry. I know how it hurts. But your relationship is worth it. And just sometimes you need to go back and look at back when you first met and you want to get back there. But the I think what I want to tell the partners I, you know the addicts now probably understand what the partners go through. But when I speak to the partners, you know, their struggle is real. Their struggle is real. I mean, addiction changes the brain. Things happen in the brain. And, um, you know, just love each other, and I think you can do it. I know you can do it. Divorce is not always the answer. It was necessary for me. Right. Well, thank and keep you listening so much to Carol. And keep <laughs> us posted. We want to know about what you're doing. So thanks again for contributing to the show and for writing these books. You are quite welcome, Carol. God bless you. God bless you, too. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye, hon. And that was Kat Clark. And... She has made it her own to educate addicts and partners alike about sexual addiction and partner betrayal. Okay, everybody, I will see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And I just want to say there will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. We'll see you back here. Same time and same place.